The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. When I was sitting down over there, I was going to ask you all that could move closer, come closer. Um, But then I said, no, I won't ask. But then after I got up here, I said I would ask. And so if you can, come as close as you can to me this morning. I would love to smell you. And so um, just be sweet. If you can come this way, I would love to have you do that. And I would really love for you not to talk about me at lunchtime uh, because I ask you all to come closer. Anyway, anyway. You don't have to. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. We're going to talk about the will of God this morning, but we're going to talk about it broadly. Uh, many of you all know that our men, uh, other than the ones that you see sitting here, uh, a good number of them are, out, are at a retreat this weekend to be refreshed. So I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them. Uh, certainly pray for the ones that are here as well uh, as we carry the banner of Christ and fulfill his will. Uh, I think most of you, if uh, the word on the street is correct and accurate, you all already have this book already, is that right? Do this if you have one. Now, if you don't have one, I'm going to call you out. But uh, you have a copy of this, which is going to be the series that we are covering over the next few weeks. But I want to lay this morning a little foundation for us to be able to appreciate what this is. Um, This book in and of itself is not going to do a thing in your life. It'll give you more information. It will equip you with some stuff you didn't know. But one of the best ways to understand the the, the entertainment and the the joy uh, and the appreciation of a freshly baked German chocolate cake is to eat it. And so that's what I want to encourage you all this morning about. We're going to talk about how is it that we enjoy experiencing God. The last thing I want you to do is to think about getting this book to do a Bible study. He lost his mind. What's he talking about here? Because that's exactly what the book is. It's a Bible study. But there is no Bible study that helps a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ without application. And so that's where I want to hit this morning a a little bit, especially for those of us who proclaim Christ. If he is your Lord and your Savior, then there has been a trade-off. And we want to talk about that this morning. What I don't want you to do, uh, I don't want you to experience things about this study, about the God of this study. I want you to experience God. Because that's what the cross was about. The risen Savior was to experience God. And Jesus Christ made that possible for us. And because of that, because of giving our lives to Christ, now we can experience God, not Bible studies about God. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? So, so when you do this, and I think, I think the word on the street also says we've, we've, we don't have any more copies. We've, they've all been consumed by you all. Do you know how excited I am about that? 
Because if it's out there, you know, uh, you know what yeast does to uh, mama's rolls overnight? Oh, yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're, so if you grew up in the country, not that you have to grow up in the country, my mother would put yeast in those rolls on Saturday night, and it'd be just a little ball. And then on Sunday morning, she would get up early and fix about four or five pans of hot homemade country rolls. If I was preaching, that'd have been amen right there alone. That alone. And so, and so the word of God, if those books are out there and the concentration in this study of God's word is, is in us and not just about God, we are going to experience that transformation right in here. My God, we stood here and we prayed about it. We sang about it. Why not experience it? And so that's what this study is all about. But more or less, I like to call it a fellowship with God's word. A fellowship with God's word. When you get into it, what does that look like? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but just for a little notation, in the 24th chapter of Exodus, I believe it is, God has summoned Moses to come to the mountain, and Moses goes to the mountain. He has to leave everybody and everything else at a distance while he travel up the mountain, Mount Sinai. And so as he's going, it says Moses entered into the cloud, and then he continued to go up while he was in the midst of that cloud. And listen, listen, listen. So Moses was in the cloud for six days. And it said on the seventh day, God spoke. He was in that cloud for six days. And on the seventh day, God called out to him. So I've always wondered what in the world was Moses doing for six days before God called on him. And I want us to take that principle about being in his presence when we grab this book and we sit down and we have our Bible and our of coffee and, and all of whatever that is to get through this study. How prepared are we to receive what we even study? My goodness, don't let it get this quiet in here. How prepared are we? This little time of preparation in our hearts and our minds. You remember, uh, you remember when you came in here, there was so much stuff in you that wasn't pleasing to God that as soon as you stepped across the door sill and you saw a smile, it kind of relieved you because you didn't have to deal with it anymore until you leave out of here. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to come in, we're going to hear a good sermon and then we're going to leave and then we pick right up where we left off. Ah, not under my watch, not under our watch. There has got to be a change in these seats out here in order for this church to be what God has called it to be. And thus, we see the day's sermon title, not in chains, nor in charge. Does anybody hear the depth of that? We are no longer in chains. Somebody ought to be saying hallelujah. If you're, in, if you're in chains, I can understand you're not saying hallelujah. But if you're not in chains, you ought to say hallelujah. And because of the work of the cross, that's what took place. But with that came, you're not in charge either. How many of you all like to be in charge and would look at me and not raise your hand and be lying through your teeth? <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Call it like it is. We all like to be in charge. We don't want anybody to tell us when to go to bed. We don't want anybody to tell us what we ought to eat and not eat. Somebody say amen when I get to your spot. Yeah. We, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But when, when you're in Christ, when you look at this uh, next unit here, if you, if you will, in the uh, experiencing God, uh, uh, it's about God's purpose and plan and not our purpose and plan. And we don't like to set our purpose and plan aside because we somehow, we think in this brain that wasn't able to get out of algebra one, I can't speak for you all, successfully without a lot of bruises and bumps and a lot of pain. We have God figured out that our way is better than his way. So if we actually exchanged our life, if we surrendered and gave him our lives, this is what it's gonna look like. And I just wanna hit a few little brief moments of principle this morning so that when you walk out of here, I forbid you to come back next Sunday unchanged. Just don't, because if you're coming in and you're not changed, you're wasting your time coming here. I, I didn't think that we'd get an amen, but I just want you to understand where my heart is this morning. If you think that just by coincidence that Israel consumes our headlines in this day and this time, Brothers and sisters, let's look globally at what's taking place in our very lives. And we don't have to look at the Gaza Strip. We can look right here in Centerville. And so, and so, um, when you all get quiet, that's just like saying amen. There is an abundant life that's embodied in our exchange uh, for my life, for his life. And I have to tell you, I was a Christian for about in label for about a year and a half when I first got saved um, until God saw need to sit me in a sermon, uh, under a sermon rather, that talked about lordship. That sermon changed my life. Because before then, I was just doing religious stuff. I was just doing religious stuff, but hey, I was a Christian. How I many of you know you can do religious, religious stuff and you have no idea who Jesus Christ is? Four of you shake your heads. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that, that might be the, the, the very thing I'm talking about right now. You can do religious stuff. You can come. You can say, boy, we had a sermon. Boy, we worship God. How do we know when worship has taken place in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning? Not because we did it, but because he was pleased. He is one that determines whether worship went on in here. Um, I usually don't send out um, or give out Outlines. Do we have outlines this morning? Okay, good. And so I'm still not giving out outlines. So, so, so you need to follow me, uh, or follow along rather with what I want to set before you this morning. And, and, and hopefully you'll be able to remember it. I've never seen a group of people be able to uh, uh, come in without a pad and pencil. Pad and pencil? Yeah. But so astute to absorb everything I'm going to say today. And, and maybe you all are doing it digitally and I just can't see it. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. For God's sake, people, take some notes or something and review it when you get out of here. All right, here we go, here we go. We're not in charge anymore when we say yes, Lord, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives are traded in for his life. And we pick that up with Paul, who writes in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 these words. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, I would invite you to put that in your spirit and just kind of take, take it on like a, a throat lozenger or for your spirit or like a, a breath mint for your spirit and let that refresh in you. I have been crucified with Christ. It's a question you need to ask yourself. Because if you've not seen this transformation take place um, uh, in your life and you call yourself a child of God, then it could be you're still floundering around trying to have some life in that old man. How many of you all know how you were when you were in the old nature? All right, let me put it a different way. How many, how many of you all know how jacked up you were in that old nature? Okay, we got four more hands on that one. Yeah, yeah. And so the rest of you have no idea what you used to be like before you said, yes, Lord. When you said, yes, Lord, something had to change. You can't go from thinking shoving cocaine up your nose is cool to not even having a desire to do that and not realize something has changed. And so, in these brief steps here as we look at what it means to be crucified, something that's crucified doesn't live anymore. Doesn't live anymore. It's dead, gone. Those days of you being in charge, if you think it's going on and you think you are in charge, uh, let me just give you an alert. It's not happening. There's only one will that is going to be fulfilled whether you know him or not. Better are you if you know him because he says his blessings will rest upon you if you are believing to fulfill his will. So, so let's go through this real quick if you will. The first thing we get, if you're taking notes, and you should be, if you're taking notes, is the setup. The setup is what I'm speaking about or spoke about earlier. The setup is salvation. John 3.16. We know that verse well, but it's also reflected in John 3.3 when Jesus tells Nicodemus he must be born again. Uh, it's going to do you no good to have this experiencing God workbook if you ain't born again. It's not. It's just going to be one of those things that finds its way uh, to, to the dust counter. You must be born again because there's a completely different lifestyle. You should be living that lifestyle if you are born again. If you have new life, if you smell like new life, how many of you have ever been inside of a brand spanking new car? Has a smell to it, doesn't it? How many of you all have been inside of or been with people who are not born again? Has a smell to it. Hold on, we used to be that way too. And if we don't watch us, we can be that way even as believers. Yeah, okay, 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 here we go. So, so, so the setup in John 6 and uh, in, in verse 38 through 40, uh, John chapter 6, 38 through 40, Jesus gives his purpose for being here so that all that the Father gives him, uh, uh, he will raise it up in the last day. And then he goes on to tell us what our responsibility is, and that is to believe on him whom he sent. Who did God send? Okay, let me get this in unison. Who did God send to earth for us? To die on the cross for us. Who raised him again after three days? 
Is that the best we can do? Oh, who said Jesus? I heard a little, oh, my Lord, yes. Out of all the voices, I heard that one. Yes, yes, Jesus did. How old is she? She's paying attention at four years old. Some of you are trying to figure out whether you want to go to Carabas or Outback. So the setup is eternal life. That eternal life cost the Father something because Jesus was crucified for us. It's got to cost us something to experience that relationship vertically with him. We must be crucified. We must die to self. How many of you all know that if, if you're not careful, uh, you can be very self-centered? No, I don't mean in here. I'm saying you might know some people. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's pretty direct. I mean, she, she looked at you and patted you on the shoulder and said, you're that one. Nonetheless, nonetheless, we all can get that way. In fact, the more we travel without this, not just reading, but in us and living it out, oh, the funkier we get. Somebody say amen. Sometimes you can't even stand to be with yourself. And those people around you will tell you, but you won't listen to them. Why? Because your heart is so hard and you're going to have it your way come hell or high water. Anyway, nonetheless, so we get the setup. Make yourself do the examination in your own heart, as Paul told him in 1 Corinthians. He says, make sure that you're in the faith. And if I say anything to the King's Chapel, the family here at the King's Chapel, make sure you're in the faith. Don't go, and in fact, if you're not in the faith and you have one of those books, hang on. Talk to me, talk to Pastor Mark, talk to somebody in here that truly knows the Lord Jesus Christ so that that book can make some sense to you. We're living in times now that the things that are happening to us and around us are global events. We're not separated from them because we're all part of humanity. It breaks my heart to look at those pictures on TV of lies. We just saw those same pictures in Ukraine and we're seeing them again now in Israel. And I'm saying at what point in time do you wake up and say, well, gonna go to church Sunday. When we walk about past 4,000 people who need Jesus, except by the grace of God, Israel, Ukraine, except by the grace of God could happen right here in Centerville, Virginia. And brothers and sisters, it's gonna matter what side of that fence you're on. In fact, it's already known right now because there's no gray area. You're either in Christ or you're in Satan. I could lie to you and tell you there's some fluffy place to hang out, but there ain't none. You either know him or you don't. And one of the worst things, one of the most fearful things that could grip you is to be separated from Christ eternally. That's a scary place. As a matter of fact, if you know him and you really know him, just being apart from him for a couple of days is kind of frightening. Because some of us just go all to pieces in a couple of days, don't we? Yeah, we do. You won't tell it, but yeah, we do. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So we have this setup. The next thing, what's the setup for? The setup is for being set free. The setup is for being set free. I'm going to paraphrase these. One of the reasons I don't like to, 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 to give you an outline, because you start following the outline, and you look at the screen, and you start getting the verses and all of that, and then uh, you might not even hear what the Spirit is whispering in your ear. We're being set free. You can't get the love of Christ and be bound. 
because you're not free to live it. Unconditional love requires one to be free. When you're free, you can love anything that moves. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. They don't have to look like you, talk like you, or walk like you. When you're set free to love unconditionally because you've had an unconditional love burnt in your heart, you can love that way. Some of you live right in the household with people who have no idea what unconditional love is, and they say they are Christians, but you never taste that unconditional love. Um, 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 let me keep going here. So, so, so being set free to be a, uh, a, a true disciple, if you will. Let me just read this from Romans chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Let me just pause there a moment. You see, when you get Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior eternally, you don't have to wait to become a slave righteousness. You're already placed there, if you will, in terms of positionally speaking. You're in Christ. He is our righteousness. If we're in Christ, then we are righteous because of God's declaration, not because we are uh, uh, anything to write home about, but because of Christ. And so we become slaves to righteousness. Righteousness, for those of you who are beginning to ask in your mind, what does righteousness mean? What does righteousness look like? Everything that you decide to do, every behavior, every word that comes out of your mouth, when you're living a righteous life, I didn't say a perfect life, I said a righteous life, will all be for the glory of God. If your attitude, your ways, your thoughts, your behaviors, if they don't glorify God, stop it already. Stop, especially if you're a believer. Now, if you're not a a believer, I I don't expect you to act any other way. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you got one barrel to pull for him. And that barrel is full of sin, and that barrel is full of selfishness, and that barrel is full of self-centeredness. But if you are a child of God, then there's a righteousness that has a burning desire to love unconditionally. We can get very, at church folks, we can get very conditional with our love, can't we? Oh, I love you if you just don't burn the biscuits for breakfast anymore. Uh, What, no breakfast? (laughs) We can get very, very, very uh, conditional in our love. But Jesus says, no, he hung on a cross with blood dripping. He says, It is finished. The finished part of that work is you're set free to love me unconditionally. And let me tell you something. If you're not, you're you're missing a wonderful experience. I'm a good piece of humanity to love unconditionally. I am. And I don't say that arrogantly. I'm saying it because that's what my father told me. My heavenly father says, it is very good. That's what he says in, uh, in Genesis 131, did he not? And humanity was created in that. And then I took that bridge back to him for relationship and a, 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 a stirred fellowship. Those things apply to me. They apply to you too if you know him. You've been set free. Some of you all this morning, when the time for prayer and response, you know you need to repent. But you ain't going to do it. Why? Because somebody might be looking. And worse than that, you might know it in your own heart. You're the only one that knows it. Or at least you think. Because God knows it. He knows. And he's begging you. Revelations 3.19, he says, what says those who I discipline? Those whom I love, I discipline. He says, be zealous to repent. 
Some of us are thinking about whether we want to, want to repent. That's not the deal. The deal is how zealous are you going to be to repent? Because you know you're taking some stuff right out of here today that you should have left at the altar 10 Sundays ago probably, but you're still carrying it and it's weighing you down. And it is like a cancer in you per se. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, 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 a root canal in you and you feel the pain from it. How many of you all know I'm struggling with this microphone? <laughs> anyway, we'll get over that. When you are set free to live unconditionally, at the same time, God sets you apart. It's called consecration, consecrated unto God. Now listen, there's an important element to consecration or better known as sanctification. It's the place where we are set apart unto God for, for his use only. Show of hands, how many of us let Satan use us sometimes? We're set apart for God's use only. That's what consecration means. We're set apart. We're unique and special. Peter says we're a royal priesthood. I would encourage you to go in and read that sometimes in second chapter, uh, verse nine. When, when Peter talks about we are a royal priesthood, Ooh, a possession of God. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't say this arrogantly, me knowing that I'm a possession, that God possesses me, that I'm one, I'm, it's not like I'm the only one on the mantelpiece. What is that what that's called? The mantel? Fireplace? What is that thing across there? Okay, okay, fine, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's not like I'm the only one up there. No, but his grace and his mercy puts all of those who are in the body of Christ. He doesn't idolize and worship us. He puts us there because we are a chosen people. When he puts us in Christ, guess who he places above all? Jesus Christ. Guess where I am? In Christ. That's how I got up there. How are you getting up there? You have got to be born again. You've got to be set free. You've got to be set apart. And when you ever get to the point where you're experiencing life and you're set apart, then you're being used to be set forth. He took Adam in Genesis 2:15 and he placed him in the garden. He placed him in the garden. He set him in the land to cultivate and take care of the land. Now this little uh, 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 journey of setting forth is taking place in all of us, and it should be as we go. It should be real time. It should be happening in your life. Don't, don't come, um, can I use this? No? Don't come, <laughs> the pastor said no. <laughs> you, you've got this. The, don't come to, to the King's Chapel and get a sermon every Sunday morning and then leave and say, mm, boy, that certainly was good. And we don't have any clue who you are the rest of the days of the week. Somebody say amen now. You're getting too. You know, um, I heard some people say that one of the reasons that they didn't accept or they don't accept Jesus Christ is that those folks that are called Christians, they can never see what that's supposed to look like. I get it. I get it. But you know what? One thing about the word of God that which is unconditional love. He says, my word will not return unto me. 
Oh, I see you are students of the word. Yeah, will not return unto me void. It will accomplish that for which I send it. Out of Isaiah 55, 11, guess what? If the word of God is in you, it will not return to him void. It is going to produce in you what God sent it there for. And he has sent his word for two basic reasons. One, to repent if you're not in him, and then to live him and to know him and to let others know about. To me, that's pretty simple. Where it gets tough in the land at the three-foot level of living, guess what? You know what the toughest part of being a Christian is? Toughest? It's not the word of God. Come unto me, all of you are heavy laden, burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon it. My burden is, and it's light. So, it, so the <laughs> problem is not the word. The problem is, is us with our pea brain trying to decide whether we want to obey it or not. That's where the tension and the struggle is. You've been set up, you've been set free, you've been set apart, and you've been set forth just to live it. Just to live it. Guess what? It brings joy to God when he sees his children glorifying him. And what do we need to wait for? What are we waiting for? Why can't that happen right in here? I long for the day, not for lots of people being in here. I long for the day when you come in and somebody is in your seat. <laughs> yeah, I long for that day. I long for the day that you will have to find another seat because people wanted to come and hear. Do you remember Noise Abroad was the name Jesus and 7,000 folks showed up on the hillside? Don't tell me that power isn't available this day and time. But you know what's happening? We're not becoming, we think we're still in charge. Where we have the option of whether we want to share uh, about Jesus or not. And let me tell you something, that has a smell to it. If you're deciding whether you want to live your life to glorify him and tell somebody else about him as you go along, you don't have to set out and go over to Africa and tell somebody about Jesus on a mission trip. We got a mission trip just from here to the mailbox most times. <laughs> Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. You got some neighbors who don't quite understand your little trek to church every Sunday morning. And I'll just leave that right there. Set forth, set apart, set forth. And let me say this. Let's go over to John real quickly. I'm almost done. Let's go over to John chapter 17. When God set us forth, he blessed us in that nature. He made Adam and Eve and he set... He set them in the garden, um, um, and he blessed them. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. That's why that whole, <laughs> that whole gender piece kind of falls off the chart. Because it's awful hard to be fruitful and multiplying if the bookends is the same. <laughs> Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, you might say, okay, yeah, I can do this if I want to. Well, how are you going to feel the other part of that when he says be fruitful and multiply? Oh, 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 oh. anyway, anyway. So, so in, in John chapter 17, uh, and I think it's fair to even warn you that I, I, I told our dear brother Morsi's if when he starts playing music and I'm still standing, John 17, 14 says this, I have given them your word, Jesus is talking to the Father, and the world has hated them 
because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, get in the word. That's the thing that sanctifies us and sets us apart so that we may be set forth in the land. Jesus has already prayed for that. That's what John chapter 17 is about. If Jesus has prayed for that, let me ask you this. Is that going to come to pass? You better believe it will. And it, you better believe it is. He's keeping us from the evil one that's in the world. We are left here. Jesus is there, but he left us under the care. Keep them in your word, by your word, by your word. That's what this experiencing God thing is, by your word. I don't want you to have a Bible study. Bring the book back if that's all you're doing. But if you're not, and you're getting it smeared all over you, your life is going to change. There's going to be a multiplication of unconditional love spread forth in this sanctuary, and it will ooze out the side of this building if we let it. My, we're so choosy about who we want to love. And then finally, I thought about uh, fireworks on July 4th when I got to this last one about being set off. But it's a little more than that. Uh, uh, in fact, it's way more than that. But when he, when he has, has set us forth in the land, the way he sets us off is in Romans 12, 2. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 and 14, he sets us off. And then he lights the firecracker in us. And it's sitting there. We go off as light and salt in this land. He didn't ask you to stop the war in Israel. He didn't ask you to go to Ukraine. All he asked you to do is will you take my word, will you put it in you, and then just love the next person up. He says, that glorifies me. That glorifies me. When nobody's putting a gun to your head and making you love someone else unconditionally, that glorifies God. Stand to your feet, if you will. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do one or step further. This is going to be a little bit different. We have our, our praise team coming. But I want people who want prayer for that release. That, that's freedom. I want you to come right down here right now. Don't take long because we're already in here much too long. You want prayer and that liberty right now. I want to pray for that so that it'll be unleashed in here. Now, I know there's going to be a time to respond after this, and we can get very patterned with this, but some of you, somebody in here knows today is your day that you need to repent. So I want to invite you, just as the musicians begin to play, the music is going to be sung. And I'm going to pray. Father God, we do thank you. If you feel the need to come down to this altar, I invite you to come. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that you have set us apart, that you want to use us. And Father God, that it is by your word that we even experience that sanctification. Now work in your people right now. Lord, for those who need prayer, let themselves be known in here today, Lord God, that we might pray for them in a way that brings glory unto you.
If they're here today, Lord God, and they have no idea who your son Jesus is, Father, let there be a relentless pursuit of the answer to that question, that they might receive Christ today. So, Father, we do thank and we give you praise. I'll ask one more time. If you want prayer at this altar, I invite you now. I invite you now. 